You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Today's going to be a special show. Uh, we've got one of the uh, esteemed members of the Dodge family, of, you know, one of the young men that I work with and has been a part of that place for the last four years. Uh, Connor Jones, a big tackle out of Palmer Ridge. Uh, his father, Travis Jones, is a great friend of mine and, and works for me um, and, and helps me in, in the day in and day out. So at Six Zero Football Academy. So needless to say, they're Dungeon family and family family. Um, and Connor is committed to Michigan. He's going to be our guest here in about 15 minutes. Uh, he was at the Michigan State-Ohio State game. He was in the, uh, the hallway, as they say, when they were about to, you know, go to fisticuffs. That's what college football is all about. That's what rivalry college football is all about. Um, so we're going to talk about all that here on McChesney Unchained, episode 136. Remember everything at thednbr.com. Check it out. All the different content. It's amazing. Uh, they do such a great job down there. Uh, so make sure you get down off Colfax to the bar, support that awesome establishment, but also go to the website and make sure you check out all the different shows and everything that's going on. All right, so let's get straight into this. Um, turkey Day, all right? Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. I love it. Uh, I'm not a huge turkey fan, but all the other food, I mean, knock it out of the park. Uh, my boys and I, you know, we drove out to uh, Omaha, Blair, Nebraska, right there on the, on the border of Iowa. Uh, my entire family lives out there. They're all Cornhusker fans, unfortunately, but it really did drive that rivalry for me for so many years, uh, which is one of the reasons I'm so emotional about the Thanksgiving Day rivalry games. Um, went out there. It was incredible. Got to see my grandma and, you know, all my cousins and uncles and aunts, and it was pretty awesome. Uh, and then, you know, the, the games kicked off. Um, the NFL games were atrocious on Turkey Day. I mean, the the opener of the Detroit-Chicago game was unwatchable. I slept through most of it uh, waiting for Thanksgiving dinner and trying not to get screamed at as I was, like, testing all the food. i just walk in and, like, taste test something else, and my aunt would scream at me, get out of the kitchen, and I'd run back downstairs. Um, <laughs> but it was unwatchable. I, I, if I don't have to watch Detroit on uh, on, you know, turkey day again i'd be happy that game was terrible there were 28 goddamn penalties in the raider game uh the dallas raider game and the game was good it was entertaining but the refs were just as big of a part of the game so they took up a third of the time it was really kind of annoying and the nightcap you know the stefan Diggs touchdown from josh allen was was pretty fantastic the saints are rebuilding you know, Simeon's out. The Simeon can't play, and 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 their starter, Jameis Winston's gone. So they got to figure out what they're doing at quarterback. But it was an okay game. But again, slept through most of that after the uh, the you know overdose and meat sweats and you know everything that happens on Thanksgiving. I mean, I stuffed my fat face. You know, I'm trying to lose weight still, but I was an offensive lineman for the weekend. Leave me alone. Uh, but look, in my opinion, Thanksgiving football is all about. You know, teams making it to the state playoffs in high school. So I got a tip of the cap to to Erie 
there's a bunch of a bunch of Dungeon family uh, that that plays up at Erie. They're going to be playing for the 4A state title. Uh, you know, we got some some, uh, some a couple of Valor guys that are going to be playing for the 5A state title. So that's all pretty cool. Um, and then when you talk about college football, it's all about rivalries, man. And rivalry weekend for me used to really mean something. I'm going to be my me and my man Henry are going to be on DNBR bus later this afternoon. So make sure you uh, tune into that as well. We're going to be talking about rivalries and college football and whatnot. And it really used to me, I put a tweet out there at six zero Academy and then also at DNBR unchained um, about how much it used to mean to me, the rivalry weekend in Colorado, Nebraska. And I grew up wanting to play in that game. And it's the reason I went to see you was to beat them. And, and it's not happening anymore. And being out in Nebraska, watching the Iowa Hawkeyes play them, for a friendship trophy and then watch CU play Utah and lose that game for, you know, the Rocky mountain rumble or whatever they want to call it. Even the Nebraska Iowa game is a fabricated rivalry. Yes. There's some tension there because they're neighbors, just like there's tension with Utah, but there's no bad blood. And I think that rivalry weekend and Thanksgiving is a, a time when you come together on the college football scene and you see Bedlam, Oklahoma, Oklahoma state, you know, we had guys at that game. You see the, the, the the greatest rivalry in college football, Ohio State, Michigan, Connor Jones is going to join us in a minute to talk about it. You know, it's it's it's, it's Florida, Florida State. It's, you know, it's North Carolina, North Carolina State. It used to be Kansas, Missouri. It used to be Colorado, Nebraska. It used to be Texas A&M, Texas. You know, there, there's a lot of rivalries that aren't played on this weekend anymore. And you've got Missouri, Arkansas, like that's a good game. And yes, they are both in the SEC, but they, they share a border, but you've got to play for something to have a rivalry. You can't just make it up. So to hear the Nebraska faithful and everybody out there, when we're talking about all this, say how much they miss the just bona fide hatred of those rivalry games, the Oklahoma game and how much it mean, meant to them for so many years. And then the Colorado game and when the big 12 came along in 96 and CU Nebraska started getting played on Thanksgiving routinely uh, well, every year for almost 20 years. Um, it, you know, it, it really means something to them. So it was good to hear that at the same time. It also, it's frustrating because it's gone. But at the same time, college football uh, rivalry weekend for Turkey Day is incredible. So let's get into it. Bama and Auburn, um, hell of a game. You got to tip your cap to Auburn. You'd like to see them hang on there and, and keep Bama out of the uh, the college football playoff circle. If they would have lost that game, they'd be done. But look, Alabama's got Georgia in the SEC title. They come back and win in overtime. Can I be the like the 900th person to say this? The college overtime with the multiple just two-point conversion plays, that shit is weak. They need to get rid of that immediately. The Going from the 25 and having to score a touchdown and then going for two after you score twice, I believe, that's pretty kick-ass. But this, like, score once each and then just go for two over and over and over again to see who wins, that – it eliminates the ability to run the fo football and it turns into trick play central essentially. And it becomes luck in my opinion. So I don't know why you would take something as pure as the college football overtime and fuck with it, but they definitely did, but it's still Alabama gets the W there in the iron bowl. Uh, <clears throat> Bedlam was crazy. Oklahoma state came back and beat Oklahoma, you know, Lincoln Riley and turn uh, turns and goes to USC. He bolts, He's taken his offensive line coach, Bill Brutenba, who, you know, Josh Bates, 
Justin Bates' son, who I played with at CU and was a Dallas Cow- Cowboy draft pick. His son, Josh, is committed to Oklahoma. You know, it's the first taste of business for them. That's why I always say don't really commit to a coach. But at the same time, you have to. That's the business. Uh, so, you know, I'm sure they're going to be they're going to be talking to USC here uh, very shortly. You can't really get mad at Lincoln Riley for what he did. I mean, chasing the money is what it is when you have that much bread in front of you. Um, I personally don't think Oklahoma is a better job than SC. Uh, but apparently this is a huge move for the Pac-12 as well. And, you know, the rich get richer. SC definitely got a hell of a young head coach that could turn that place into a damn dynasty. Uh, if he can figure out the magic, you know, Pete Carroll, you know, magic man time there in L.A. and get those guys in Southern California and recruit nationally to stay home. But Bedlam was crazy not to take the shine away from Oklahoma State. Uh, they're going to play in the in the big 12 title game against Baylor. They should win that game, although Baylor is, ba- Baylor is very good um, in a 10-win football team and, and looking to win it themselves. I'd like to see Oklahoma State maybe in the college football playoff. We'll see how all that's going to work out. You know, <clears throat> the Cincinnati sitting there looking like it may work out for them. That win over Notre Dame is huge. Um, as Notre Dame keeps rolling, they mopped up Stanford, you know, uh, this weekend. So uh, there's a lot of really good football teams in, co- in college football right now. There's a ton of parity. And this is why I think there needs to be more than four slots, because this is another circumstance where you could play a 12 team playoff. And I could see the 12th team, you know, giving the like the first four a bye, right? Give one through four the, the opening bye, and they play five through 12. You tell me 12 couldn't beat five at a, at a home field in a playoff game. That would be the revenue would go through the roof. It would be huge. And there's some damn good football teams right now all over the country that would really be playing for something. And then everybody else can go bowling. Um, you know, when you when you talk about just the overall landscape of college football right now, and again, Connor Jones, uh, the Michigan commit who was on the sideline for Michigan, Ohio State this weekend with his family up there as, a, as, as his visit is going to join us here. Uh, Amit Chesney on Chain 136 to talk about that incredible game here shortly. Uh, so don't go anywhere. But when you're talking about college football and, and rivalry weekend, you know, the Buffs lose to Utah. They fall to four and eight. I was in Nebraska, like I said. Nebraska loses to Iowa. They fall to three and nine. The first team in college football history to have nine losses by a single score. Um, so they're not a bad team in Lincoln. They just are immature and don't know how to finish. Uh, you know, the Buffs went through their own struggles here uh, in Boulder. But I'd anticipate that both teams in two years when they do play in Folsom and then in Lincoln again back to back, um, that those games are going to be full of veteran football players. Scott Frost isn't going anywhere. I think Nebraska will rebound next year. And I think Colorado is going to get better as well. I saw a lot of improvement uh, the second half of the season, uh, them buying into the scheme. They, they did beat Oregon State, who's a good football team and a bowl team. And they ended, you know, the, the homestand beating Washington. I know Washington got mopped by Washington State, but still Washington's always a good win. It's always good to get that W. Um, next week, actually, on 137, episode 137, we're going to have the great and nasty Kevin Gogan, an ex-Washington Husky, on the show. Uh, Kevin Gogan, if you don't know who that is, look him up, especially all you offensive linemen and offensive line dads out there. He's one of the meanest SOBs in the history of mean SOBs. And Ryan Jensen wears 66 because Kevin Gogan wore 66. Uh, he's part of that 66 club. Look it up on, on the internet, but the 66 club is 
just a bunch of guards that are just badass MFers. And Alan Fanica, a guy who's been on the show, a Hall of Famer, wore 6'6", Jensen 6'6", and the list goes on and on and on. Uh, but yeah, Kevin Gogan joins us next week talking about the Washington Huskies here. So when you look at just the framework of this, like the Pac-12 getting a guy like Lincoln Riley from Norman and him leaving and coming to SC, he must think that the, the package at SC is better than the package in Norman. And they've been to the playoff pretty consistently in Norman, but they just can't get over the hump because defensively they don't have the same kind of talent that the SEC programs have. But there's one thing also that I've seen consistently, and that's that the Pac-12 doesn't even go to the playoff consistently. So I don't know how the Oklahoma job and the, the USC job can even relate, in my opinion, right now. But that is going to be a very interesting and intriguing story going forward, considering yeah, SC getting a guy like Lincoln Riley to leave Oklahoma the way he did with that kind of security. It, it kind of tells me that I don't know if Lincoln Riley is very confident that Oklahoma is going to do anything but get shit stomped when they go to the SEC in two years. Um, and look, man, Oklahoma fans, I'm going to end it on this. Karma's a bitch, man. When you go, when you and your rival go behind, you know, everybody's back in the Big 12 and you make this little handshake deal uh, with the SEC to gut your own conference and leave um, after they bent over backwards for the University of Texas, the Big 12 did to accommodate you, and Oklahoma you know, was accommodated after that when they complained, which forced Nebraska and Colorado and A&M Missouri out. And then they just cut tail and run like this. You can't be surprised when your head man makes a business decision when you've shown that you're all about that business. So I guess we will see, but college football rivalry weekend is the best in the business for this very reason. And I'm pretty excited to have uh, Mr. Connor Jones here joining us on episode 136 of McChesney Unchained at DNVR. Make sure you go to thednvr.com and check it out when we post it tonight. Uh, at Six Zero Academy and then at DMVR Unchained on Twitter, respectively. Connor Jones is the left tackle of Palmer Ridge. He's been uh, part of the Dungeon family at Six Zero. So he was 14 and a half, 15 years old. He walked in with a big dream and he leaves to early enroll at the University of Michigan in January. Uh, as he, you know, is a full scholarship athlete up there under Jim Harbaugh, and he'll be joining Reese Atterbury, who's out of Eagle Crest, and in his second season up at the University of Michigan, and then also joining in the long lineage of Dungeon Family, the first guy we ever put into college, a, a guy named Chris Fox out of Ponderosa, who's now been out of school for like nine years now. That tells you how old my ass is. Uh, but Connor was, at, was in Ann Arbor this weekend, and we're going to bring him on the show now to talk about the atmosphere with the Buckeyes and everything that played into that and, and all everything that goes into uh, being a Michigan man and, and playing for Jim Harbaugh. So, Connor Jones, welcome to the show, brother. Um, hair's down, looking good, sporting that Michigan blue. First of all, my man Joel Clack called the game, and I know you watched the game in live, so you didn't hear Joel's call. I, I played with Joel, as you know, and his call was incredible. Like, you could tell how excited he was. After the game, he said it was the most ruckus and insane atmosphere he's ever been in in his life. As a young football player, being committed to the University of Michigan and being not only a commit, but one of the guys that was really one of the first guys in the class to commit and really help this entire class grow and the leadership you've shown with Coach Moore and Devan and Coach Harbaugh. 
I'll shut up now, but I really want to hear what you have to say about this incredible weekend beating Ohio State and playing for the Big Ten title this weekend as a, as a commit to the university. Well, first of all, like, my dad and I called that Michigan was going to win this year after that big coaching change. Um, <laughs> you did. You did. You guys have been talking that junk for a while. <laughs> um, just overall, like, the energy around it, like, you could tell that there was a huge difference in mentalities between the two teams when they walked out of the locker room. Michigan came out and every guy was looking forward. They were looking either at the back of their guy's helmet or looking up and around the crowd and like they were just focused and they won't they weren't worried about necessarily talking, but they're just pounding, pounding, pounding. When Ohio State walked out, they they had a few guys who would trot out and then a few guys who would run out. And then they have that every other like guy that would walk out. And that's when I knew that like the mentality was a little bit different. They seemed a little cocky because they've won the past, you know, eight or 14 yeah. years. But like, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, getting to know this coaching staff and how they're going about it. And then uh, being able to not only, you know, compare that to the last coaching staff and just look at the differences in energy levels and the type of, you know, what this new coaching staff brings is they bring youth and excitement back to the program. Um, you know, like I, I loved Coach Warner. Um, you know, he, he, him and I had a pretty good relationship before he left. Um, but me and Coach... The offensive line coach that went to FIU and... Right. Now you've got Coach Moore and Coach Devan up there. Talk about the relationship with those two. They've turned this offensive line into an absolute fist. They have. Reese Atterbury, who's there, raves about them. I know you do, too. Give me your opinion of what they've done so far. Um, I mean, like I said, I think they're closer to the guys than any other coach has been. I think there's just a bond in that group that is like no other. And – and even you feel it, and you're not even – I mean, you've gone to, what, three or four games this year, right? I've gone to two. Two. So, and then, obviously, at this one, and I guarantee you, you feel that bond with him already, and you're not even enrolled until January. Knowing knowing the importance of the bond with your coach, I mean, because you and I, that like, when I introduced you, you know, I'm not lying when I say, you know, the, the Joneses are family – we've been through a lot together in, in, in your journey here. And I know that was important with committing to Michigan and being a Michigan man and the family aspect of it, coach Moore and everything he does. And then coach Devan or coach Porkchop, as we call him, I, I played with, with coach Devan and trained with him back in the day. So it goes full circle. This just crazy, you know, football circle that's out there. Talk about just what coach Moore and Devan have done for you personally as a player, but then, the Michigan offensive line assaulted Ohio State on Saturday, bro. I want to know what it, what it looked like on the field because the snow and the pageantry, 111,000 strong. It was so exciting. It was so crazy. I'll go back to your first question as far as, like, what they have done for me as a player. Um, I went up for the, barbe for the big barbecue visit in the big house, and that's where they ended up doing my workout. And, you know, they really um, broke down obviously what I need to work on before I get up there, but like they do a good job of not necessarily pointing out the negatives, but pointing out the positives too. Like not necessarily just cutting your throat the whole time, giving you those attaboys to make sure that, you know, 
you stay on a level playing field when it comes to your attitude with the game. Amen. And like they, they do a great job about about that with the players too. I've talked to Reese and like they get passionate sometimes, but then you know they go back and dial it back in the meeting and make sure that you truly do understand what you did wrong or what you did right and you know learn and move on. Um, what they've done for me is that you know they they've also, they've obviously like tweaked a couple of small things. Um, they both really like my technique and what I bring. Um, they say I'm really technically sound, and that's hats off to you. You've really like molded me into who I am today, and you know, like it 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 takes two to tango. It really bro. does, and for every like everyone who's listening that really doesn't understand what Matt does, he breaks you down physically and mentally to build you back up into the player that you need to be because there's no one else who will do it. And at, and the the atmosphere too, just being around so many of you just badasses constantly i was i was sitting here earlier this morning going over all the nfl guys and college guys and trying to like put a little montage together to post and i was like damn there's there's some freaking ballers in this group bro yeah and like not only do you like go out and train with us individually but like you create a little small team up there like me kaden whether it be brayden miller travis gray we're like a little team up there and like we have a bond that's very different and very unlike than what you see at other programs. And like going back to like what we were talking about, like when coach Moore, when coach Moore would bring up my film, a clip from Michigan, that's a similar play. And then a clip from the pros. That's also a similar play. Palmer Ridge, Michigan. And then we just run through that with different plays and different scenarios. Cause like, at Palmer Ridge, we run a very we run a spread offense, and that's very common throughout college and a pro. So it was pretty pretty easy to match up the plays. And he was matching it up, and he looked at me and he goes, "Dude, like, there's not much difference between your technique and these guys' technique. A few things here and there, like hand placement stuff, and you're going to be golden. We just need to put size on you." And. And, and look, that's really the point of all this, like the development aspect of Michigan football and what we do at 6-0 and then the work put in by the guys. I mean, it, it goes all the way to Quinn Bailey. I know you saw Quinn. I know you saw what I posted yeah. and Quinn balling out yesterday for the Broncos. And five months ago, you're in there training with Quinn every other day and watching him work to see another payoff for another individual that he didn't know was coming. One, one minute he's at practice, the next minute he's starting at tackle for the Broncos. So let's take this full circle you're at the big house haven't beaten ohio state in years all underdogs at home aiden hutchinson who i think should be a front runner for the heisman right now 15 pressures three sacks is you know absolutely wrecking house unblockable and, and not to mention and then at halftime the- did you go in the tunnel at halftime not at halftime we were able to go after the game though but so after the at halftime, there was almost a goddamn war and brawl at, at halftime with Ohio State and Michigan that took forever. It, neither team really had a halftime because they were arguing the whole time. Right. And then after the game, 111 people, 111,000 people dumped onto the field for the biggest upset in the big house in years. So I, I just give me your overall impression of that atmosphere and how crazy it was. Uh, and, and then we'll get you out of here on McChesney on chain 136. It was insane. 
the crowd in general, like you couldn't hear yourself scream. It was crazy. And then like, we were obviously allowed to go down a little bit early because we, we were the recruit and they wanted to try to get us through. They knew exactly what was going to happen, but they did not tell us oh, what yeah. was going to happen. Like well, I was out in the field. Out of it if you know. Well, yeah, but like, I was out in the field and I was talking to Aiden and I went over and talked to Reese and I blinked my eye when I opened up my eyes. I was surrounded by just hundreds and hundreds of people. And then trying to make my way to the locker room was crazy. Insane. My parents were, were behind me. They were, they were a little bit behind me because they let me just go out with the recruits. My mom got tripped and she got all pissed off. She went up and elbowed some dude in the nose. My dad was just trucking through people. I had like four recruits on my back and I was just trucking through the mob. And then you got to like probably about five yards away from the locker room entrance to the tunnel. And police were obviously like sorting out people, but people wouldn't leave. They just get back into the group. I mean, it was, they were connected. Like there was no way you're going to try to break through that. Even if like, like if you tried, like it was, it was interlocked. Oh, it's solid. It was solid. Um, finally, um, you know, like after me yelling at people for a bit to move because I'm a recruit, they're like, oh, that's Connor Jones. And it's a, a few of the fans that know, know me created a path and I was able to get through. But like looking back on it, because uh, I didn't realize how many people were on the field. But I, I like I, I looked up, I thought it was just the student section because of where I was at in the mob. But I, I looked up and around the stadium, the stadium was still stuffed and they covered the field. 111,000 people. It's essentially three Folsom fields in one atmosphere and Michigan and Ohio State going after each other. All right. So look, Connor Jones, the, the great, you know, uh, all state, all American tackle at Palmer Ridge, wears 77 down there. Uh, numbers are a big thing for me. You wear 77, you're going to Michigan to wear 77. Guys who have worn 77 at Michigan are Taylor Lewan and John Jansen. And who else? Uh, like, it's a long list. Yeah, a whole, whole bunch of dudes. But those are two of the best. Um, before we get you out of here at McChesney Unchained 136, you talked a lot about the Dungeon family down at 6-0 and all the work you've put in. There, you know, there's a lot of kids that look up to you guys and a lot of young guys that come in there, just like you were the young guy once looking up to – the Sam Joneses and the McGoverns and so on and the Ryan Jensen's now you're going to college and there's young guys looking up to you. Um, the bridge is real at that place, as you know, right. For those who will come in and work. It's also a place where you can be exposed if you're a fronter, which I also love. Um, talk about what you would say to one of the young guys out there that's listening to this or a parent that's out there listening to this about the, just the process and having the ability when you walked in, you know, you're one of the few guys, I shouldn't say few, but there's only a handful that it actually happens the way they want it to, you know, like when Aiden walked in and said he wanted to go to Notre Dame and now he's at Notre Dame or Zune walked in and said he wanted to go to A&M and now he's at A&M or when you walked in with your pops and you sat down and said, I want to play at the University of Michigan and damn it, brother, in January, you early enroll. What would you say to that next kid that's about to walk into 6-0 to chase his dream before we get you out of here uh, on episode 136? 
So I walked in, I thought I had the mindset like down. I thought I was going to walk in, I was going to be a stone brick wall and he wasn't going to break me. But that's like, you can't walk in like that. And like, if you're, if you're a player coming in and you want to train, you want to get better, like come in with an open mind around it and learn the mindset because there's been a lot of mental work that I've had to do in order to learn the mindset and learn what it takes mentally to get through it. Cause that's, that's the battle physically, like how your body is made up biologically, you can handle everything. It's just the mental, the mental work of it. And not a lot of people really realize that. Um, if you're a parent, like just understand that Matt's going to dig in and Matt's going to push buttons that, you know, not too many people on this planet will push but like he's he's doing it for a he's doing it for a reason and he's doing it out of love because like I don't I I, I haven't met very few people that have as much passion as us so just come in with an open mind on both sides and learn the mindset learn learn the film work like just go in with a learning mindset and you'll be just fine Connor Jones brother I don't know if I could be more proud of a young man than I am of you and the, and the foundation that you've laid for yourself uh, moving into the, the University of Michigan and going there to continue your development and, and play for a great head coach in, in Jim Harbaugh. And I know that damn well that that Sunday dream is on deck for you, bro. Uh, and it's all attainable. We just got to keep our nose to the stone, and I know you will. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show today, episode 136 with Chesney Unchained. I wanted to get your opinion here uh, about – rivalry weekend in, in Ohio State, Michigan. And I can't wait till the day when you and Reese are lining up next to each other, double teaming the three technique um, and watching your running back go 80 to the house uh, in Ann Arbor. And I will be there with bells on with, with Mr. and Mrs. Jones screaming my fat ass off. So thank you so much for coming on the show, bro. And uh, go blue. Go blue. Thank you, coach. Football fans. I'm sure we all love an active high scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer for sport, uh, DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can bet $100 in free bets. You can win up to $100 in free bets on a $1 bet. It's that simple. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get skin in the game with the new same-game parlays. You can take multiple combinations from the games and put them into your parlays. For example, uh, the Sunday night game with the Ravens. You could have taken Mark Andrews to score and then Lamar Jackson to throw four interceptions and you would have won big time. So any kind of parlay that you can think of, they've got it. You can buy multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. A $50 bet can turn into a $20,000 payout if you think you're smart enough to hit. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. DraftKings is the official sportsbook app of the National Football League and you can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now using the promo code DNBR bet $1 on any team to score and you will win $100 in free bets if they score, you score use the promo code DNBR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook the official sports betting partner of the NFL you must be 21 or older, Colorado only new customers only Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. You have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. And we roll 
on episode 136 of McChesney Unchained. That was one hell of an interview with my man, Connor Jones, uh, the left tackle down at Palmer Ridge High School, member of the Dungeon family down at Six Year Football Academy, four years, uh, and a current commit to the University of Michigan, uh, one of their first in, in this class this year. And he's early enrolling in Ann Arbor in January. Uh, he was out at Michigan, Ohio State this weekend. Listen to that interview again. It was pretty awesome to hear his perspective on everything that they've got going there uh, at the University of Michigan from Coach Harbaugh's philosophy to the offensive line philosophy and Coach Moore and Coach Kyle Devan, who's there. He's a, his assistant coach uh, who's been a, a, a head offensive line coach all over college football. I wouldn't be surprised if a guy like Kyle Devan or a guy like Chris Cooper, who has got the offensive line for the Denver Broncos humming under Munchak, are two candidates for the O-line job up in Boulder. Uh, as Darren Shiverini was let go from his responsibilities as the offensive coordinator. Uh, thank you to Coach Shiv for all he did over his time at CU. Uh, and obviously, they need to restaff the offensive line coach as well. Uh, I've got a phone call with Carl Durrell tomorrow uh, to talk about getting up there to interview for that position. Uh, and then also, I wouldn't be surprised if a guy like Kyle DeVan, a guy like Chris Cooper, and many others are in the running for what needs to be the most important uh, hire he makes to really solidify that unit moving forward as there is a lot of talent, but they definitely underachieved this year in my opinion. So uh, I will obviously keep everyone posted on my future uh, with that kind of a big deal and, and pretty excited about the opportunity to go up there and at least have a conversation. Uh, but regardless, I will always be a stringent buff supporter and uh, always pushing uh, guys to go up there uh, for the right reasons and, and play their ass off for the black and gold. All right. So uh, we roll here into the NFL uh, to finish up the weekend, NFL Sunday yesterday was, I'm not going to say it was awesome. It was okay. I mean, it, after, after college football Saturday, it was, eh, it was okay. I'm not going to sit here and act like it was awesome, but it was, it was okay. Uh, Cincinnati mocked Pittsburgh 41 to 10, uh, Cincinnati and Baltimore are going to fight for that lead there in the AFC North Baltimore won last night, ugly 16 to 10, uh, over Cleveland. Uh, so it looks like Cleveland and Pittsburgh are going to be out uh, this year in the cold while Cincinnati and Baltimore look like they're pretty much two playoff teams. Uh, Pittsburgh needs to find a new quarterback. Roethlisberger is cooked. Uh, he looked like a Thanksgiving turkey out there trying to waddle around. You know, no, no scores. He's skinny and fat at the same time, and that's hard to do. Uh, and he is super, super slow and immobile, and they were just teeing off on his big ass. He used to be really mobile and hard to get down, and now it's you blow on him. Uh, stiff wind knocks his big ass over. Uh, and then, you know, going full circle to the Browns game, I don't know how you lose when you intercept Lamar Jackson four times, and they had a fumble, I believe, in the game. And then they still lost 16-10. to 10. Baltimore's defense was outstanding. Uh, they pressured Mayfield all night. Mayfield, it looks like Baker Mayfield is – not going to get the extension that he's coveting in Cleveland. Um, you know, they'll let him play next year and see what comes of it. I don't know if he's even going to be worth going after, after his time in Cleveland, as he's definitely laid it on the line physically, but he seems to just be getting pummeled uh, left and right there. And he's always got an issue. He's, he's not a bad quarterback, but he's definitely not uh, a number one pick. Uh, it looks like Cincinnati got the better of the number one picks in Ohio, uh, as the Browns had one with Baker Mayfield. And the Cincinnati Bengals had one with Joe Burrow. Uh, <clears throat> New England beat the absolute shit out of Tennessee. Uh, the Patriots are real. Mike Rabel uh, was, was schooled by the hoodie uh, after playing for him for so many years. 
Tennessee is beat up. No Julio, no Brown, no Derrick Henry. You know, they're missing a couple defensive guys. They really struggled in the pass rush. Mac Jones, Mac Jones, it was the most pro ready. I heard a lot of different analysts and, and evaluators talk about that. And, and he definitely looks like it. Uh, you know, I, I played for Josh McDaniels. I know his system. I like his system. I like his terminology. I like how everything's packaged together to look the same. Uh, and, you know, Mac Jones has just take, taken that tutelage and ran with it. Uh, I think he's the bona fide defense or offensive rookie of the year. I think your defense rookie of the year is in Denver. Uh, his name is Patrick Sertan. Uh, that was pretty awesome yesterday. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But, you know, the, the Patriots are balling uh, and they're doing it with young talent at the quarterback position and at the running back position. The Sheldon kid is the second round pick uh, there with uh, Mac Jones. And I like that they went out and got Van Oy and Hunter Henry and Janu Smith. They spent a lot of money in free agencies to surround them with good veterans that are buying into the system. So they're, it's making players last year that we thought were substandard look like you know, really good players. Kendrick Bourne looks like a damn good receiver now, whereas last year he was just their trick play guy. So I think that the Patriots are a team to really, really be worried about because number one, they're hungry and young on offense with something to prove. Number two, their defense is legit as shit. Like that's the no name, great defense. They, they went out and spent a ton of money on defense as well. And they got real good, real fast. And they have bought into the way Belichick coaches them. And they are going downhill in a hurry. And they are all about the turnovers. And J.C. Jackson's an undrafted free agent, DB, and he is killing people at the, at the corner position. Now he's not afraid of shit. And they, if they can figure out how to keep this going, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the playoffs, as they always are and seem to be under Tom Brady. They got a huge matchup with Buffalo coming. We'll see how that goes. But looks like Tennessee's going this way, uh, down, you know, towards the pit of despair. Uh <laughs> dingy dingy and new england's going the other way so tampa bay comes back and beats the colts 38 31 uh the colts looked like they didn't know what they wanted to do offensively on they still scored 31 points they're six and six and i think that they're a scary team if they do get into the playoffs i think they can beat anybody but they can also blow it and lose to anyone as well um <clears throat> tampa bay they've got the goat they seem to be getting healthy leonard fournette had four tutties uh, Ryan Jensen and that offensive line dominated the Colts defensive line. They really beat up DeForest Buckner, isolated the pass rush. You know, they did a really good job of isolating the, the middle linebacker winner, making sure he didn't make too many plays. <clears throat> and then if they did make a mistake, they, they uh, recanted quickly uh, and got back out on the field and supported their defense. The defense came to play and they pressured Wentz uh, and got them back in the game after trailing. Uh, they get a huge win on the road, 38-31. Uh, a team that everybody needs to watch out for in the NFC. San Francisco beats the Vikings. Both teams were five and five. You know, San Francisco beats Minnesota. Minnesota essentially uh, is <clears throat> not looking good for the playoffs there, although Kirk Cousins has been playing outstanding. San Francisco, though, seems healthy. Debo Samuel is one of the most versatile players in football. One of my favorite guys to watch, number 19. Uh, first guy since Eric Metcalf. Uh, to line up as a or be slotted as a wide receiver, but have multiple rushing touchdowns in back-to-back in -back games. Uh, that was like 1986 or some shit. If you don't know who Eric Metcalf is, go Google that one. He was a hell of a player back in the day. Uh, San Francisco's real. Shanahan's got them rolling. And look, if I'm if I'm them, I'm just turning around and giving the ball to Debo Samuel. I'm getting him the football in every way, shape, and form possible. 
and Garoppolo can, you know, ride a good defense and a dominant offensive line and running game to another playoff run. Uh, <clears throat> the Vikings might be looking for a new quarterback and a new head coach, although I don't think they're a bad football team. I think they're just, they've lost three games in overtime and I, they can easily be dominating their division and right there with Green Bay, but they're not. So they need to, they need to figure out a way to keep that moving in a positive direction there in Minneapolis. Uh, Green Bay beats the Rams 36 to 28 in uh, Lambeau. Aaron Rodgers goes off has another great day. Uh, Billy Turner, uh, the right tackle for the Green Bay Packers, really, really played well. Uh, did a good job of isolating Floyd and his ex-teammate Von Miller, who I'm not saying Vaughn's washed out or anything. He's far from that, but he definitely hasn't gone there and provided the kind of punch that they were wanting. Uh, they've lost three in a row, the Rams have. You know, when you have Floyd and Donald and Vaughn Miller and Ramsey, you shouldn't be giving up close to 40 points uh, and losing three in a row. So uh, they were dominated by the 49ers and Kittle last week putting Vaughn on his back uh, on national TV. He was chipped by check, but look, getting put on your fucking back on national TV is getting put on your back. You can't cover it up. That was a dominating block. That's a tone setter right there. Uh, Green Bay did the same thing. They beat him up up front and they really frustrated him to the fact they had Aaron Donald fighting and choking guys in the middle of the game. And you can tell when Bond and Floyd are being physically dominated because they both go sour face and they don't look very interested. And they were definitely doing that. So hats off to Green Bay for getting better. Their defense keeps getting better as well. And Billy Turner, my man, you just keep it up, Mount Turner. Yeah, that's one That's one hell of an offensive lineman and, and dude. A uh, great member of the Dungeon family. 77 for Green Bay's been balling. Keep an eye on him. Uh, the Like I said, the Sunday night game was trash. 16 to 10 win by Baltimore. Um, <clears throat> the Broncos beat the Chargers 28-13. Uh, you know, last week, Teddy really pissed me off with the, you know, the fake tackle on Darius Slay. And I had a, a time to dwell on it. And they came out against the Chargers and handled business. And look, the defense played outstanding. They looked fast. They looked in, they looked engaged the entire game. They looked like they had actually been coached for third down situations. They took advantage of turnovers. Patrick Sertan had two picks and one for pick six. Um, I actually liked the linebacker play. I really liked how downhill in a hurry they were uh, and how physical they were. They beat up the, the Chargers. They had a very frustrated, but, the real story of this week, in my opinion, is Bridgewater showing his toughness coming at, back off the bench after getting hurt, uh, looking like that. That really sucked. And then, you know, the uh, ability for him to sell out and get that first rushing touchdown, diving in head first, showing his team toughness. That goes a long way after last week's atrocity and, and toughness. Uh, by Teddy Bridgewater, that's unacceptable in my opinion. Something that will stick with him forever, unless, of course, he turns around, and he turns into tough guy Teddy, and he does this the rest of the year, which is what we're looking for. So, I <clears throat> I think that Bridgewater now needs to show consistency, and it's going to be tough going to Kansas City. It got flexed to the Sunday night game, which is awesome, and it's for it's for first place, and that's all you can ask for is meaningful football games in December. Uh, I was talking to my man, Rick Lewis, about this. He's the voice of the Broncos on 103.5 The Fox, and he calls the games with Dave Logan. Uh, and he was saying that this is the first time in how long, since 18 was under center, that they've been playing meaningful football games in December, which, you know, the, the next year they were playing meaningful games, but they weren't very good. So it, it's awesome to see, and I know that Broncos country is very excited 
the offensive line yesterday was playing with four backups and most notably uh, Quinn Bailey and Quinn Bailey's an ex Arizona state player. He played with Sam Jones down there and he's been on and off the practice squad now for three years. And he's a proud member of the dungeon family, but he's the, he's the humble and hungry one. And I always say to Quinn, like, you know, the, the quiet ones, are the ones you got to watch out for. And he was called up off the practice squad and asked to go into that game when Calvin Anderson went down and played at a very high level. And he did. And he shut down Bosa and he played his ass off and he won a game ball after the game recognition in front of this whole team. And I, I've got four game balls for my time in the NFL. And I don't know if there's anything more uh, humbling and, and there's no bigger respect than when a coach or your players either vote you a captain or vote you to be, you know, the, the game ball recipient for that week, either as when I was on the practice squad and I would get the game ball to push the defense, I was the best player in practice all week, or whether you're playing in the game and you're winning it because of your performance in the football game, it is an incredible feeling. And for him to be recognized in front of his whole team like that, uh, it's why we grind, you know, and Quinn is Quinn's one of those guys that shows up, gets his work done, does it at a very high level ask questions when he doesn't know he's very versatile uh, plays multiple positions he's very good at guard as well he's built like a fucking door frame guy's huge he's got very very fast twitch reactive hands and i, I remember saying this multiple times uh, going into this season is watch out for quinn bailey if he gets an opportunity to go out there and shine he's going to do just that and bam my man quinn bailey walks out there and 75 balls out wins himself a ball game or, or, or a game ball and and the ball game is solidified and won by your Denver Broncos, and now they got a chance to go to Kansas City and break a fucking massive, massively long win streak and beat Kansas City on their own turf, and I think they can do it. I'm not sitting here predicting a win, or fuck it, yes, I am. I'm predicting a win on Monday, and I think that there's a lot of stuff that can happen before Sunday night, but the Bronco team that I saw looked more like the Dallas team than the Philadelphia team, and I'm hoping that they can find a way to be mature and handle success. Not let the sugar rot your teeth is what I always tell the guys down the, at 6-0. So regardless who's starting on the offensive line, regardless who the wide receivers are, who's getting what deal, and so on and so forth, come together as a team, play your balls off like you did, and anything's attainable. You know, maybe shipping Vaughn out and, you know, getting new, new voices and leadership in the room, maybe it was the right thing to do, and, and GP the – the general manager seems to be hitting all the right buttons, man. Being six and five right now, I'll take it. It's better being fucking two and nine. That shit looks terrible. Terrible. So I was very intrigued with what I saw on Sunday from the Broncos, and I hope that they can keep it going. Uh, it'd be nothing better than the end of, what, like an 11 or 12 game losing streak to the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday night in Arrowhead. That is episode 136 of McChesney Unchained. Uh, I'm your host, Matt McChesney, as always. Go to thednbr.com and check out everything they do at the website. Uh, the bar and sports, the, the studio bar and grill and everything are down off of Colfax uh, downtown. It's incredible. Go down there and support all your Colorado teams from hockey to basketball. Uh, the Rapids, I know they're done, but they were on all the time to the to, uh, the Denver Broncos as college football has wrapped. Uh, next week, like I said, we will have uh, one of the, the original Maulers on the offensive line. War number 66, ex-Washington Husky and 15-year pro Kevin Gogan will be on the show to talk about offensive line play and the trench and really the last frontier for physicality 
in uh, the game of football as everything else is penalized. It's a class place you can really put hands on a motherfucker, which is why I love it so much. I am your host, Matt McChesney. Thank you so much for listening, folks. Thanks to Connor, Connor Jones for coming on the show. This is McChesney Unchained, and that is a wrap. <laughs>